0: Welcome to a new episode of Your Friendly Physicist and Other Nerds, your science podcast where scientists speak about their fantastic research, their visions, dreams, challenges and their daily life in the fabulous world of science. My name is Lucas, and I'm the host of this podcast. Typically, I have a guest on this show, but right now it's holiday season and all of my future guests are still in their well-earned vacations. So that means today it's just you and me. And I have thought a long time about what to talk about uh, to you today. But then I decided, well, actually you should decide on the topic, you, the listeners. So I looked through the recent messages I got on uh, got by mail on Twitter or, or LinkedIn, and it was quite obvious that uh, you are more interested in topics about PhD life and everything that is included there. For example, how to get projects started quickly, how to deal with, let's call them non-ideal supervisors or PIs, how to deal with rejection and failure and so on. So therefore I have brought three how-to tutorials with me today that I want to share with you. But before we start, I shortly want to introduce myself. I hope by now you know that my name is Lucas. I did my master studies on polymer science at the University of Bayreuth in Germany and at the Lafayette College in Pennsylvania in the US. And after that, I moved on to Munich to join the chair of functional materials for my PhD, where I investigated responsive polymer film systems. And during my PhD, that was also the beginning of my passion for neutron scattering, since neutrons are great to investigate structure and dynamics in a polymeric system. After the PhD, I had the feeling it would be nice to do research on a different sample system than polymers. So I joined the Institute for Material Physics in Space of the German Aerospace Center in Cologne as a postdoc. Uh, And there I explored Structure and dynamics, uh, but not in polymers, but in metal alloy melts, so in liquid metals. And sometimes I did this even in microgravity on a parabolic flight. So if you're interested in uh, how a parabolic flight works, there is a blog post on my webpage and I will link this for you in the show notes. Now, even though I switched from polymers to metals, neutrons still are very useful for me as they tell us a lot about the structure and dynamics also in metal melts and this was the reason why i moved from the dlr institute in cologne to the neutron source called ill in grenoble in france this year in march and this is where i am at the moment in the beautiful city of grenoble the capital of the french alps and right now it's a second home to me and maybe a short fun fact during now the two years of metal research in Cologne and in Grenoble I came up with surprisingly many ideas about polymer research um, so this will be the next um, next endeavor for me shifting back to polymers or to biopolymers like cellulose or chitosan to be a bit more specific and then I want to investigate how they can be used for energy materials like a battery or solar cells. So sometimes it's nice to step a little bit back from your actual expertise like polymers, explore a bit other topics like metals, uh, but then you you find that uh, yeah, your heart was always at the right place with the polymers. Cool, so I hope now you know me a bit better than before and we can start with our today's topic. I simply call it master the basics of academia as already said I brought three how-to tutorials with me um, but these tutorials are quite general so you can actually also apply them in your private or everyday life it's not limited to academia and all the advices tips and tricks you will hear in the next couple of minutes are either from my colleagues, my students, collaboration partners or from the academic Twitter bubble or they are directly from me. And before we really start, maybe a short disclaimer from my network and myself. We are aware that the following collection of advices is never complete. Some of it might be helpful to you and some might not and that's totally fine. We don't want to tell you how to do your research. Uh, All we want is to share our experiences and to share our knowledge and speak about the things that helped us the most to improve our academic situation. So whenever you have the feeling something is left out, please, you can uh, go to the Spotify comment section and simply let us know. Any feedback is highly appreciated, that's for sure. Okay, enough said. Let's start with the very first block. How to get shit done and how to make progress quickly. That was actually the most frequently asked question I got so far. So that's the reason I put it directly at the beginning of this episode. And first of all, I think here we have to distinguish between two different scenarios. The first scenario for me would be... For example, a science project where you don't exactly know how to start. That can be a new sample system where you have no experience with. That can be a new technique you are supposed to use or that can also be your very first student that you now have to supervise, to train and to motivate every day. So you have no idea where and how to start, where the journey will take you and what surprises you will find along the way. And in my opinion, and my network agrees on it here, the fastest way to make progress in such a scenario is simply to fail. Start doing stuff, try different things. Probably it won't be the right thing to do anyway because you simply have too little information about your project, about your technique, about your sample system. But with fast failures, you are able to learn a lot about the things that don't work. And what's good about this, you don't invest too much time and energy in it. A second advice here would be to ask for help, especially when you already failed a couple of times. You probably have figured out by now some stuff about your project and you can break it down into several smaller pieces. For example, with a new sample system, you tried different things and now you might already know that you need a more precise equipment for sample preparation to make it work. Solvent A and B are not working, but solvent C might be. And in the end it might be a good idea to use some kind of measurement technique to verify if the preparation or the synthesis route really has worked. And now think who you can ask for help to make further progress for sure one of your colleagues might know where to find a more precise lab equipment another colleague or collaboration partner has a lot of experience with different solvents and another one is responsible for just the technique you need for your samples in the end so kindly ask them uh, you don't have to do everything by yourself to get your project further going and just for the record so that it's set of course this works also the other way so whenever someone asks you for help you might pause your projects for a while for a second or a minute or two and also help your colleagues so to summarize this first scenario simply simply in quotation marks simply fail until you don't fail anymore and ask for help along the way and with this i'm pretty sure you already get your project going quite well, quite quickly. Then there is a second scenario, which is about projects that have, let's say a high relevance to you, but you roughly know how to do it. And here the classic example would be paper writing. Every academic sooner or later has to write the paper um, and everyone roughly knows how to do it. But also here, there are some tricks you can do. First of all, know your productive times. Are you most productive in the morning, in the afternoon or at night? Figure this out and then you can focus at that time on this project for a certain amount of time. To give you an example, I am the most productive between 8 and 11 a.m. in the morning. And during these times, paper writing is not too bad for me. So every paper writing activity when i have paper writing activity activities is scheduled within these three hours and i make sure my colleagues also know about these times it's important to get rid of as many distractions as possible and maybe even go as far as changing your office and go to a sneaky hidden secret place where nobody finds you for these three hours or maybe a bit more polite, simply hang up uh, a sign that says, please do not disturb me until 11 AM on your door. And with this, you already set a framework where you can be productive. And of course now it's about you to really be productive. And for this here comes a second trick that worked for me quite well. I set a daily personal goal for me and for me, this was to write 500 words for my paper each day of course the number 500 can be replaced by any other number that works for you you have to try it out and and see what, what really works for you but the important point is that you have a certain amount or a certain number of words that you write every day and this number is the minimum number of course you can write a thousand words on Tuesday let's say but that does not mean you can take off the Wednesday it's again 500 words on the Wednesday then and the beneficial thing I figured out about this strategy is that when you start the paper there are plenty of let's call them easy words left to write easy words for me are for example the title or the authors the affiliation maybe keywords the captions of the figures and the tables also the methods and the material section is not hard to write for me at least but you make easy progress and this gives you a good feeling about this when it finally comes to the hard words for me the abstract introduction discussion always are the hardest parts but here i can use this initial positive feeling because i already made progress i i seen written words on the page and I can use this positive feeling to push myself then through these hard words at least for 500 words a day and this really gives you the chance to make reliable progress every day and this is quite nice and one final advice that I by now heard quite often from for many people is to split up big goals into several smaller milestones So let's stay at this paper writing example, instead of write this paper, you simply say finish figure two or look up references for the second half of the introduction or uh, ask a colleague about help with uh, the conclusion structure and so on and so on. So it's first of all, it's a good feeling to tick off boxes. At least it's a good feeling for me and with smaller milestones you can tick off boxes more often and more easily but also by splitting up a large task into smaller tasks you get a better feeling about what is actually still missing for reaching your overall goal with write this paper or finish this paper cool so with this let's move on to the second block how to deal with rejection and not to overthink well rejection is extremely common in academia be it the rejection of a paper rejection of a research proposal uh, or a research grant everyone experiences rejection your colleagues your PI your professors and your peers but only because everyone experiences rejection It doesn't make rejection less hurtful when it occurs to yourself. A research proposal for a neutron experiment of mine got rejected last week. And I immediately questioned my skills and my expertise. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was sad. And probably you all know this feeling. So what to do about it? First of all, take a step back. Slow down and think about it. Think it through the proposal i wrote and submitted it went through a review process review process is everything but objective i mean it ideally it should be objective but there are a lot of parameters beyond your control that eventually influence the final decision of the review panel and sure rejection still hurts and it is okay to be frustrated and angry for a while but Don't let yourself define from these emotions and feelings. As the next step, look at the comments you got from the referees or from the reviewers. This gives you extremely valuable information on where your paper or your proposal needs improvement. And if there is no feedback, don't hesitate and reach out to the decision makers and request feedback. There's no shame in that and constructive feedback and constructive criticism is one of the most valuable resources in academia since they really improve your writing skills, your presentation skills, your scientific skills overall. Then implement the feedback and go through your proposal once again. Is it clear enough? What do I want to say? What is the overall goal of it? Is it feasible? What actually does it contribute to the field or to our community? You can ask your colleagues, your supervisor or your mentor for further input and feedback. And with every feedback loop, the quality of the proposal improves and the negative emotions from the initial rejection, they start to vanish. And rejection is just temporary. Once you resubmitted your improved proposal, you have another chance to get what you are applying for and you improved your skill set as well and i think that is much more valuable so don't give up on your research dreams just because of one temporary rejection simply keep striving learning and growing from it and another advice that really helped me a lot but was also extremely hard to follow don't compare yourself to others of course academia is a numbers game But by comparing your numbers, your citations, your funding money, your accepted research proposals with others, you and your research won't actually prove a lot. Of course, it makes sense to stay open-minded for the ideas and for the feedback of others. But every academic journey or every academic career is unique. And therefore, you cannot really compare them with each other. Keep focusing on your work, acknowledge the fact that the way you are doing research is unique, believe in your strengths, build up a resilient and healthy mindset towards rejection and you will make it. If you need comparison, maybe compare yourself with your former self. Everything else in my opinion just makes no sense. Or how the academic twitter bubble puts it and I really like this, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And I believe this is very true. And with this, we come to the third and the final part, how to build a network. Well, before we dive into the specifics of of what actions you can take, maybe we can have a first look and try to understand why we need a network in academia or in general life we need an, 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 a network and why it should really be a priority uh, in in your academic journey so firstly networking helps you improve your scholarship when you're trying to learn new things and contribute to knowledge it's helpful to connect with other researchers in your field instead of reading tons of papers you can simply chat with colleagues uh, over a coffee about their research and you save a lot of time and probably you get the key messages of the respective papers in a much more clearer way. Secondly, as a researcher you have kind of a duty to share your findings with others your research should, should not be just for yourself If your work is interesting, people will want to know about it. But just presenting at conferences or publishing articles may not be enough. You still need to promote your research and get people excited about it. And this does not only help your paper to get out into the academic world. You once again receive feedback from your colleagues, from your collaboration partners, from your peers, from other professors, which you can directly implement into your next scientific project. And thirdly, collaborating with others in research is highly valued these days. Networking allows you to make meaningful connections. And many academic jobs require these skills. So having a diverse network really can improve your chances of doing meaningful science. With all the these niches and, and experts in academia, it's important to build a network between different disciplines between different fields in order to get a more let's say holistic picture of of your research, of, of your sample system and maybe as a last reason don't underestimate the impact on your well-being, on your mental health doing a PhD or a postdoc or a master thesis it can be quite lonely experience sometimes especially if you're the only one working on a specific topic in a specific department and i know from experience that a phd or a postdoc can take over your life so it's important for your mental health to get out and interact with others from time to time to get different perspectives it's not only giving you a fresh perspective but also it offers it, it offers support and a sense of belonging i would say so how to build a network of course you can join for example a science association that fits to your research in germany it's for example the dbg the deutsche physikalische gesellschaft you can go to conferences speak to your peers ask questions during talks if it's hard for you to ask you can inform yourself about the topic and the speaker in advance and simply prepare a question Before the talk generally people are happy when someone is interested in the things they are doing a second advice would be use social media nowadays create a LinkedIn profile follow and connect with other people from your field your social media presents you can see it as kind of a virtual CV and this also creates possibilities it creates a network and you never know what what is the outcome of this Think also about what you can bring to the table. What is the value of your research, of your methods that you're able to do? What is the value of even yourself to the community? Are you a good teacher? Are you a good presenter? Are you a good paper writer? Where can you establish, let's say, synergies, foster collaboration? Reach out to people about your ideas. You might face rejection, but After we heard the second topic, how to deal with rejection, I hope this is not a too big problem anymore. And as a last advice, which maybe closes the loop to the very first how to make progress fast section, learning by doing and see where it leads you. Give yourself room for failures and mistakes. Learn from them and I'm sure soon you will be an experienced, Uh, an experienced academic with a strong network that has your back as well as you have their backs. And the best example is this podcast episode here, which was basically created by my network, by all the feedback, by all the great input I got from a lot of people. And I'm only the person who is telling you all the knowledge and experiences of these many, many people. And I think this this is really great. And yeah, that's already it. I hope these three sections help you in your future academic endeavors and as already stated in the beginning, please let me know your best advices, your best practices, your tips and tricks for conducting a healthy, creative and productive research. And I would be more than happy to read through all of your suggestions and add it to this collection I I just put on uh, in this episode. One last thing before I close this podcast episode. This podcast is about you and everyone can participate. So if you want to share an exciting story about your science, your academic life, some crazy experiments or any other nerdy stuff, feel free to drop me a short message and maybe we see each other on a future episode on this podcast. So thanks for tuning in, take care, enjoy the summer and hopefully see you soon on the next episode of Your Friendly Physicist and Other Nerds.